Hi, I'm Lok and I'm Patience and welcome to Let's Start Now podcast where we intend to bring you entrepreneurs to inspire, inform and give you an insight into their businesses and how they started. On today's episode, our special guest is a Kenyan author, entrepreneur that's using technology to reinvent the insurance industry. Welcome Eunice Mina, founder of Bismart Insurance. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Patience and uh, Marie. It's nice yes. to be here. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. We're glad you joined us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to soften things up, um, how is COVID in Kenya at the moment? Like how, how are the restrictions in Kenya? Um, a few weeks ago, uh, the, initially we had the, the night ban, I mean the, yeah. the, the night curfew that is still going on. But then um, we, the, we had closed the borders that is from one county to the other. Uh, but then a few weeks ago, the president opened the borders, so there's free movement. Uh, but the only thing that is restricted is the curfew at night. And uh, also, we've limited the number of people who can go to church to 100. And um, yeah, that's so basically, we are not really on a lockdown. Yeah, people are moving freely. Okay, wow. I think the same thing is happening here. We're also on a lockdown, not on a lockdown, but on a curfew. Yeah. Mm. Um, I starts from 9 p.m. to uh, to 5 a.m. Ours as well. Yeah. It's also from 9 to 5. Yeah. Are the cases so, reducing in Kenya? No, uh, they are actually more. <laughs> They're increasing mm. after the opening. The cases have now kind of spread to different counties and we are seeing more and more cases. Yeah, bigger numbers. I think now we are at 13,000 cases. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. I think here we're at 4,000, if I'm not wrong. I think COVID, we just have to learn to live with it. We don't see... Yes, I think we just have to learn to live with the situation. Uh, Just take care of you know, each other. Yeah, since there's no cure. Yeah. Okay, so um, Eunice, yeah. I want to know maybe more about you before we start talking about uh, Be Smart. Can you maybe tell us how was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Wow, yeah. Um, I grew up in the rural Kenya uh, in a village called Kariara. Um, uh, that, those days, uh, we never used to wear shoes. Uh, in fact, wearing shoes looked unfashionable in the village. Uh, my parents were, what, what, I mean, were teachers, and so we could afford shoes, but we could not wear. Because I remember one time I went to school with, with shoes, and other kids were laughing at me for wearing shoes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it was a unique uh, way of growing up. Um, yeah, yeah, we used to walk to school about... Uh, three kilometers to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then um, after my primary school, I went to high school. It was not far from home. Yeah, then I did well in my high school. I was actually, uh, in high school, I was a chair lady of the Christian Union, and I was also a dorm captain. So I started leadership quite early because yeah. I remember even when I was in primary school, uh, myself and my mom, 
we started the first Christian Union, although it died after I left. But yes, we attempted. <laughs> in, your, in, your, in, your, in your county now or in your village? Yes, yes, in my high school, uh, in my primary school in the village. Well, do you mind telling us like which part of Kenya that is? I, I can't seem to. That is in the central Kenya, Nyeri County. Ah, Nyeri, okay, yes. Now. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, the slopes of Mount Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, then I went to the University of Nairobi, uh, where I studied chemistry and mathematics. So wow. I graduated uh, with a bachelor's uh, degree in chemistry and mathematics. That's a BSc. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, I used to work when I was still in campus. I would get some odd jobs, uh, like I would, uh, you know, do tuition uh, because the University of Nairobi is closer to town and Kilimani area, Kileleshwa. So there were many, uh, I mean, there are many parents who needed their children uh, get tuition. So I would do that when I was in school. Other times I would get some jobs in the industrial area. Uh, in my area of study that is uh, in the lab to do quality control in pharmaceutical companies. So when I finished university, I just went to the same company, one of the companies that I had worked with, and uh, I was working uh, in the lab as a quality control assistant. After three months, I it was so hard. I realized I wasn't called for okay. lab yeah yeah you know staying in the lab with chemicals i figured i would not do it for five years so i quit and i i joined another organization called institute of advanced technology uh, where i went through training training of trainers i then i went through all the training in it so i i, I attribute my it training in uh, with iet because that's where they trained me I got all the certifications. I got um, networking certification. I got user support. Mm-hmm. I did Microsoft. By the way, I'm a Microsoft certified system engineer. I, I wow, did, you, uh, you've done it all. I did yeah. uh, advanced diploma in computer studies. Uh, so yes, uh, I, I studied a lot in the IT. And then... I, uh, because it was both work and studies, I, I reached the ceiling because I got all the promotion I could get within the organization. And I decided I wanted a sales job. Okay. So, and, and uh, patients, you need to order my book. I've given this story in the book. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Need to, we need to, to. We need to. We'll also yes, talk about uh, that. You need a copy. <laughs> yes. And um, so I quit. And so when I quit my job, I had bought an insurance policy and, you know, I needed to find out what happens when you don't have a job and you, you, had, you have a policy to pay. And I went to the insurance company and the manager recruited me to start oh. selling policies. Yes. And so <laughs> I accepted. And then you ended up getting hired. Yes, yes, yes. As a salesperson. You know the beauty with sales job? They are always there. You, you there's no much you just you you just go and if you can present that you can sell then they will hire you and actually the interview is normally starts with uh you know i don't know whether you can sell so sell me this pen that is where i got the title of my book. okay we were going to come to that how you got the title to your book sell me this yes pen. that is so true yeah sell me this pen yes so 
got the job. One of the reasons why I took the job was curiosity. I needed to understand why don't customers like insurance? Because I would see my colleagues running away from insurance agents and I needed to understand more and more. So yes, so I started selling insurance. I sold uh, as a, I was selling life insurance. Actually, I became one of the top salespeople in Kenya. And I got an award in Association of Kenya Insurers for Life Insurance Sales. And after, I think, six, yes, after six years, I decided I was done with selling and I needed a different job. So I went to my boss and I told him that I needed a different job and I needed to be in business development. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a long story, but uh, to cut the... The long story short, I got a job and I was the country sales and relationship manager for microinsurance in Kenya. Uh, for when you mean microinsurance, it's a it's like insurance for lower, is it like people for the low income? Low income. We were focusing on the low income sector. Okay. The informal and the low income sector. Okay. Yes, so I did that for two years and I felt I needed to change the insurance world, so I resigned and started this month. That's a whole long story. It is all in the book. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) No, but it's a very interesting story because you went from a chemistry uh, chemistry student to IT to selling insurance and now to this month. It's a very, very good. It's a very interesting story. Yeah. Uh, so in between there, before you started Be Smart, I'd like to like what really led you to deciding that you want to start your own your own company. Like, had you always felt like you wanted to start something in the future? Like when you were younger, have you had you always thought that you wanted to start something, or it's you just found an opportunity and decided to go for it? No, when I was growing up, I didn't know there is anything like you start something like business. You know, the people who are doing well in our village were teachers and. Uh, doctors, we used to, to call them doctors, but they were really clinical officers and nurses. Uh, yeah. so, so I knew that you go to university, uh, get a degree, and get a good job. So uh, the issue of business came in when I got a bit uh, uncomfortable when I was uh, working at IAT. And I remember at some point um, we started a business, me and two other friends. Uh, we we figured and we got some capital and started a business. Again, you will read that in the book. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Kenya in 2007, 2008, there was the, the post-election violence. Yes. And that is how our business failed. Uh, because our target market was um, the, you know, the, the, the Mzungus, the white people in Mombasa. And when the post-election violence happened, people just flee, you know, flee out of Kenya. And so we had nobody. Uh, it was a cyber. It was a cyber cafe. So we could not be able to pay our bills. Then the, the county, uh, you know, the municipal council was coming to ask for license fees. We didn't have money and we just gave up and said, you know, uh, we tried. <laughs> yeah, you tried though. I think with every business, there's always a lim- there's always a expiration date, I guess, to some businesses. Yeah, and, and then the times were really hard in 2008 and seven. Yeah, yeah, in Kenya because it was also uh, there was also the econo- uh, the world economy 
economic um, down, downturn, and then oh, there was the, the double, election the violence in Kenya. Yeah, yeah. So it was a double crisis. Yeah, yeah. But, but we survived. It, so oh, sorry, I'm saying we survived, so we'll survive Corona too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, was it almost the same as um, as what happened in uh, 2018, the elections? But then, okay, well, 2018 it wasn't that bad, but then I think. Was it was it similar to the post um, election violence? You see, uh, what happened? Twenty eighteen, nobody left the country. As in, uh, the 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 tourists were still in the country. Yeah, yeah. Twenty uh, two thousand and eight was really bad because people were not even you know stay in you know some people were evicted from their homes. So there are people who actually were burnt, their houses were burnt in Mombasa and that's where we were living. So it was, it was worse. Yeah, I think it was also worse because we used to hear about, I think we heard about 2007 and 8 in Kenya. A lot of people no, were scared bad. of going there. Actually, 2017, 2018, people were very careful not to go back to, you know, what had happened. That is 2013, yeah. 2017. Uh, there was always you know, precaution that we don't want to go back where we were uh, in 2008. Okay. Yeah. It was a bad time. Okay, so maybe talking more about Bismart, could you maybe let us know what Bismart Insurance is all about? Like, what do you guys do? Yes. Um, now, Bismart Insurance is uh, an insurance aggregator. Let me put it in simple terms. It's an insurance comparison platform. Um, and maybe I should first start answer uh, part of the question that you asked that I did not uh, answer, which is uh, why we started Bismart. Uh, when I was, remember, I worked as an insurance sales agent, and then I also worked as a you know business development manager, whereby now I was able to understand what you know the business looks like. And when I was there, it kept I kept wondering why can't we solve some of these problems? For example. People, uh, most people fear insurance because they only discover what they are not covered at the point of claim. So the mistrust, because nobody takes time. And even if anybody was to, it's impossible for an agent to sit with a customer and explain all the exclusions in one city. So I thought if we started a, a comparison platform, not for price only, but to compare what is not covered, compare what is covered, and compare, you know, um, price, you know, all that combined. If we put that in one platform, then we build transparency in the insurance sector. And that means that people would be able to know what they are covered for in advance before they buy. So basically, my thinking was, how can we make insurance bought? Uh, when I was selling insurance, we used to be told that insurance is not bought, it is sold. And I kept asking, why can't it be bought? Why must it be sold? And so I started be smart to just answer that question. Why can't insurance be, be bought? And so I figured if people go to the supermarket and buy insurance, then why can't we create a supermarket-like environment so that then people go and buy? And also we read somewhere in one of the interviews, I think you did with, uh, it's called Inversk? Yeah. And they said that Kenyan, if on the top of the list of things that Kenyans hate, um, insurance agents are the, are the first followed by Jehovah Witness Angelic. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Actually, when I was selling insurance, you'll go to a door and it is written, uh, no hawkers, 
no insurance agent. So you, anybody else was allowed, but not hawkers and not insurance agents. Basically, what you did is you saw a window of why not let people buy the insurance instead of us always selling it to them. Exactly. Yeah, instead of knocking doors, how can we make people want to come and buy? Because you, you see, there's a difference between selling and buying. Uh, selling, as a customer, you really don't have control of the process. But when it's a customer doing the buying, they are the ones who are uh, in control of the process of buying. They make the decision to go and look for what they want and they make a decision of choosing what they want. And that's what we wanted to create in the, you know, by uh, creating Bsmart. Just create a a supermarket of insurance so that you can, you know, pick based on your taste and preferences and, you know, uh, your price. I just want to know, like now in as Bismart, do you also only target micro, you call it micro insurance, like now the lower income or it's everybody? No, we do not target the lower income only. It is open for everybody. Um, however, we've gone a notch higher as uh, and, and now what we are tr- trying to do is to co-create insurance with uh you know, other aggregators. Say, for example, right now we have a partnership with the, a local supermarket. Uh, so they have a huge number of customers, over 1 million customers, uh, loyalty card customers. And what we are looking at is how can we help them develop simple products that they can, uh, put, uh, that they can place in, the, in front of their loyalty card customers. So those may not be uh, mass market, they may not, sorry, they may not be the low income, but uh, they are in the informal sector. Most of them would be, we are able to tap into those who are in the informal sector through uh, partnering with people who, who work with them. For example, circles, or yes. it could be mob, mobile network operators. And we just create a product that is relevant to their, their customers, and then we build technology to connect them with the insurance. Okay. So now maybe someone who's using Safaricom or who doesn't have internet access, I mean, access to internet to maybe go on your website, can they get yeah. uh, insurance yeah. cover? Or like, can they know about insurance maybe using a normal cell phone? So for like now, we, not, we, 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 are, we are in the process of designing a USSD platform. But for now, it is uh, just a web application uh, so it's in the next phase of creating a ussd platform so for now if if someone does not have internet they're not able to access uh, but in future that will be able to to work okay great right so um i wanted to ask you who are your main competitors in the in the kind of business that you do who are are your main competitors uh we have um we have other other aggregators locally who who are also doing the same however i would say nobody really has hacked this uh, insurance sector it's it's not an easy sector and uh, so what we have decided is that we are not going to compete with anyone because initially we were like competing with agents and brokers uh, but then for us we were online but what now we are doing is uh or rather where our business is going is where we want to enable agents and brokers uh, to have a similar kind of a platform so that then they can be able to reach their clients and create that transparency for their clients. So we become enabler of the environment instead of, you know, being competitors with with them. Yeah, so that is uh, 
we've already uh, we already have a minimum viable product for this. In fact, we have our first you know broker with who has taken the platform. And yes, yeah. So we are. I think we'll be launching in August. We're we'll launching the the platform in August. So we are we are we are. How do I say it? We are slowly transitioning from being competition to being enabler. So basically enabling the whole insurance environment, the insurance companies, the banks, the, the insurance brokers and agents, all of them operating uh, in you know, a, a, an enabled environment which we have created. It's a, it's a white label uh, e-commerce insurance platform. Right. Also, I wanted to, okay, I, I really think the solution is really nice. The solution for having a whole platform that can allow people to actually to, to compare benefits. I think it's a really good, solution. Yeah. like I once, I was really looking for, I wanted to find the, how much someone pays for professional indemnity cover, the professional indemnity, uh, indemnity cover. And there were so many different insurance uh, companies. Mm. However, in order to get in order to get information from them, you had to send them an email, and for yeah. them to respond, it would take so many days. So I feel like there's there's so much need for such a like a platform like yours. I really feel like there's a huge need yeah. for a platform like yours. yeah. It actually it was very tiresome. You know, you you send you want a motor insurance quote, and you're sending to. You know, five companies, and they will take a day or two to respond. So yeah. ours is real time. So you just need to go key in the the type of car that you have, the value of your car, the year of manufacture, and then you get you know like ten different quotations real time. I want to ask, uh, what transformations has uh, business Bismart Insurance gone through right. from the time that it started? <laughs> it keep uh, transforming. It started. Okay, we're still doing the comparison, but uh, uh, as I said, we are now looking at ourselves as, uh, you know, just a marketplace where brokers, agents, banks, everybody just come and place their insurance companies. Everybody comes and place their products and customers come and shop. So basically, that is now the the new Bismarck that we are going to be launching in uh, August. No, because as I was thinking... Um... Because I saw you got, like we, we were reading some articles and then mm. we saw that you had gotten funding, certain funding. Oh, that's what you mean by transformation. Yeah, transformation. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe the different things that have been ha- happening that be smart. But also what you mentioned is a, is a transformation. But, yeah. Okay, so we started Be Smart 2017, July. And then uh, in 2018 January, we joined an incubator program by IBIS Africa, and it was sponsored by Standard Chartered Bank. And uh, we, in April, we won as uh, one of the most innovative and uh, and scalable business model. Uh, that is Women in Tech by Standard Chartered Bank. At the same time, the same April. Uh, we got uh, Green Tech Capital uh, to invest in our business. Uh, I mean, when when I was when we were winning the award that very morning, uh, we I just I just received an offer from Green Tech Capital. So it was like you know double double win for that day. It was a very exciting day. Yeah. So and then that was 2018. The same year. 
October, we won uh, Young Founders uh, by West Avella Foundation in Berlin, uh, where we got, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to be trained for one year. Uh, so the first week you go to Berlin, you meet other 20, uh, you know, other 24 young founders, because they only take 25 that go from different uh, countries. Okay, then 2019, uh, we were among the top four insurtechs in Africa, uh, an award by Africa Re. Uh, we did not win, but we were among the, uh, the top four. Yes. So, and now we are in 2020. And I'm sure there's still more to come. There's a lot more to come. Oh, yeah, I didn't say 2020. Wow, I keep forgetting. So 2020, um, I got uh, nominated. Was it nomination? I was picked as one of the... They are called uh, Launch and Grow program by uh, Babson University. Uh, they were picking just six Kenyan women uh, who are doing, uh, you know, having interesting business models and they're scalable and they're making impact. And then uh, just in June, we also won the WIA54. We're representing Kenya among the 54 women founded businesses in Africa. That's a lot. And <laughs> I wonder, it, it's very good, actually, the work that you're doing. Do yeah. you use certain marketing strategy for your, in, in order to get your brand out there? Because there's a lot on the internet about your brand. And I just wonder, oh. a lot of startups, it, it's very hard for you to find that kind of information, I think. Yeah. Number one, um, uh, I would you need to read that book because the first thing I believe as an entrepreneur, you are the first brand. You as a person are a brand. And then the next thing is now you build a business which becomes a brand on its own. So um, I would say uh, maybe because of my previous experience in selling, I build a brand of trust and, you know, customer and many people trusted whatever I do. So it's not been very difficult to have, uh, you know, you know, people looking for me, especially media, uh, looking for me to share the story, uh, maybe because of previous experience. And also we, you know, we deliver what we promise that we, we will offer. When we, we, we give a promise, we deliver. So yes, there's a marketing strategy. Number one, it is just uh, creating you know, uh, you know, awareness through stories. We do a lot of storytelling and then we focus a lot on digital marketing. It's actually for us, that's how we market is purely digital marketing. When it comes to getting funding yeah, uh, in terms of startups, what are your strategies or what do you think do um, people who are interested in giving funds or even investing are looking for? I'll be honest with you that when I was beginning the business, all I had was, yes, I had my savings because I had worked for a while and had some, you know, substantial savings. And all I knew is that I was going to just do it. So I learned about funding when I was already in business. When I joined IBIS, when I realized, oh, there's something called funding, and I learned about it. And so one of the things that I realized that investors look for is number one, you have to be someone because you see in a startup most of the time, so you don't have um, many times you don't have 
you can't show profit because you know uh, many investors will look for profitability but then as a startup it is you the person are you investable uh, do you have the you know the energy and the the skills that you know that need to uh, that you, that your business needs to succeed or the the grit i will call it the grit that is needed so number one is you as a person and number two they always look for traction you know at least you need to validate your business model that it works so for example we are doing comparison if there was nobody who is comparing then that business doesn't work because it's no business without a customer and that is one of the things that i've shared in my book that every business i mean without a customer then it's not business so they look for traction they are looking at uh, how how are, do you have customers and how is the growth is not how many but how are you growing the number of customers is this growth constantly growing or, or uh, of course there is the how do i put it yeah so they look for how are you growing yeah. the numbers that's very yeah important. yeah so i was going to ask i also wanted to know are there like since you got funded um are there any pros okay of course there are pros and there are also cons <laughs> of getting funds so i'd like to know what are some some of the pros and cons that you've experienced since you've been um since you got fund, funding um the the pros the, of course the yes. pros are because then you you have uh, you, you know you get especially if you get a good investor you have people yeah. who you bounce of ideas on they they mentor you they support you they get you know they allow you to access their network uh the cons are uh, sometimes you can't do you know you don't have so much room to to do a lot of experiments because there is the demand that they will keep asking for you know they are they are those targets that you must meet uh, i'm, oh, they I'm want to get the money back yeah. or yeah sorry they want to get their okay well the money that they invested back or they want to be able yeah. to see i guess uh, no, no, results no. sooner yeah the no? results okay. that you agree on it's not a mm. bad thing uh, it's like yeah. you see you have to to have milestones say for example in the next 3 months you're supposed to achieve 1000 customers so you really have to because i mean somebody will be on your neck yes. however i would say i've been fortunate because uh, the kind of investors that i got uh, they do not uh, you know get into the way of business they let me run the business there's some startups that get investors who also want to you know to get into the running of the business and want to know the nitty gritties of what is happening so i would say i'm fortunate yeah um y- unis what are the challenges are you facing as bsmart rather if not the challenge of selling now you guys since your you know customers are actually coming to buy the insurance what other challenges now do you face um getting the right skills getting the right talent is always a, a very huge challenge uh yeah it, you see when you're a startup you're not able to afford uh, you see you find the right skill and you know top skill but then you're not able to pay them the money that they want to be paid so there's always that you know trying to figure out where do you get these people yeah, yeah. so that's a big challenge and right. um so that's the only challenge so far like people uh do do you think now do you see more people interested in insurance than you did before while you were trying to sell uh, okay <laughs> what i would say is that it is easier because then like since we began we not we don't do any uh, door to door marketing so it's been purely online 
So it is much, much easier. And when it is online, you're able to measure uh, the behavior of customers. You're able to know uh, where did they come from, what did they do on the website, and, and therefore you're able to tweak your product or rather to discuss with your partners on how to tweak the product to fit what the customers are looking for. So uh, I don't know whether to say there are more customers. Maybe we still actually, I would say we are still having, maybe we are getting customers from other brokers and agents, uh, but I'm not sure we are creating new customers through the comparison. We've just made it more efficient for the existing customers who understand insurance. So the next level is to go and ask, and that's why we are, we are trying to enable other affinity groups like SAPCOS like uh, welfare groups, like, uh, you know, supermarkets, like mobile network operators that can reach the unreached customers. Patients, uh, I'll tell you, in Kenya, we have only 2.6 million who are formally employed. About 13 million are not in informal sector. So for us, we would say that we have created real impact when we have, you know, got our 1 million customers from the 13 million who are in the yeah. informal sector. And then I'd like to also now go back a bit into the finance, the financial bit of things. Yeah. I'd like to ask you, um, how much did you start with when you were starting this smart insurance? Because you had talked about how you, you bootstrapped or you started with, a, with, a, with some money. You had some money saved. Yeah. Yeah. So how much did you start with, if it's not a secret? <laughs> no, I need to say that. It wasn't much uh, because it's about 1.5 million uh, to 2 million uh, what we wow. you know, were able to put in. Um, yeah. And then, of course, now from there, we started bootstrapping and then started Chartered Bank, gave us uh, 1 million. And we put yeah. It so, yes. Yeah, that is how uh, we have grown. Then uh, also, have you managed to break even? Or when do you think you'll be able to break even? I, uh, we, we uh, I mean, uh, the business is taking care of all its expenses. Uh, we yeah. haven't made a profit. This year we are going to make profit. Uh, mm. I think we will. I believe we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, we, we are at a place whereby the business takes care of its own expenses. So we are not, uh, we're not, uh, we're not, we do not need to, how do I put it? We are, the business is okay, but you need to grow. So we may need to inject more capital so that now we can uh, grow exponentially. Yeah. Then also another thing, um, on your website, there's also, you do something to do with financial management or uh, helping people access financial tools. The training. It's more yes. of a financial training um, because, you see, insurance yeah. is one of the tools uh, for personal financial planning. So, so you, cannot, you cannot separate insurance from personal finances. So we believe if we educate people about their money and how to spend their money, then insurance comes in as one of the risk management tool uh, for their money. Yeah, so that's what we do. It's more of, uh, you know, we write blogs. I'm sure you've seen some of them. Uh, yes. about uh, money, just people to be more literate, to increase the literacy level of financial planning. Yeah, for maybe for people who are going to be listening into this podcast, I'd yeah. like to know how do you, I mean, uh, how would you link both 
in, in the sense of, can you like explain briefly how both um, insurance and finance, finance is kind of linked together? Yeah. Or why yeah. people should, yeah, why people should be able to, um, you know, know their finances and know how they manage it in order to, you know, how the whole finance and insurance thing works together. Yes, um, you see, uh, personal financial management has, has many aspects. There is the aspect of expenses, there is the aspect of income, and there is as aspect of investments and savings, and then there is the aspect of insurance, which is called risk management. Uh, now, if, for example, patients, you have a business, yeah. and everything is going so well, and yeah. God forbid, fire happens. Yeah. Uh, the question uh, I like to ask people is, if that happened, can you be able to start that business again without hassles? You know, return the business at the position you are before the fire happened. It's the same when you have your car. Uh, if, yeah. if, you got, if it was a write-off, if you got an accident and it's a write-off, uh, are you able to replace your car without having to, you know, to feel the weight of replacing that car? So if you can, then you don't need insurance. But if you can't, then you need insurance because insurance comes in to sort what you cannot sort. Basically, to return you back to the position where you were before the loss occurred. We call it the principle of indemnity. It's the same thing. If, I don't know whether you have children. Uh, no, like, I'm not children. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, have, I have a son. He goes to a particular school. I chose yeah. that school. Because there are things that I wanted him to experience. And if God forbid today I, I passed on, can my son continue going to the same level of school while I'm away? Remember, death of a person is very painful, of a loved one is very painful. Yeah. You don't want to add another pain into the already existing pain. You're telling the child now, you know, you're going to this school, you're going back to the village because... Uh, nobody can pay your school fees. So when you look at that, you see how it connects with your finances? So right now, you're alive, you're kicking, you're healthy, yeah. you can pay school fees. But yeah. if today you got a, a critical illness, uh, you know, a terminal illness, and you're not able to continue working, can your child continue in that school? So this is where we are saying it's risk management, looking at what are the risks am I supposed to? What can I do with this risk? Do I need to transfer those risks? Or do I need to, you know, can I contain them and say, if it happens, then I have enough savings uh, that can sort the, can return me back to that position. If you can't, then you transfer the risk. And transferring the risk is where you say you're taking insurance. So insurance is a form of transferring your risks into someone else who can manage those risks for you. But in case an, an unexpected event happens, then you're able to go back to the position where you were before the loss occurred. I think that's the best explanation of insurance I've ever gotten. Honestly, <laughs> like that's the best explanation for why people should really go into, I mean, should really invest in insurance. Yes. So, so um, you're in a welfare group, 10 of you. And uh, this is the way Africans deal with their risks, actually. And they do not know that they have, they operate an insurance uh, but so you come together as 10 of you and you come together, say maybe for other reason, you want to start saving uh, for a particular goal. And then in that, you say, we are also aware that any one of us could, could, could get sick. 
for example. And if any one of us got sick, so you ask, how much would any one of us, if they got sick, would need to be treated? Say, for example, you say that for if one of you got sick, they might need, say, 10,000 shillings. Okay? And you agree and say, now you'll be contributing 1,000 shillings, each one of you, to make, to have a kitty of 10,000 shillings. In case one of you uh, got sick, then you take the 10,000 and uh, sort their hospital bill. So uh, what happens is, uh, you, you know that one of you might get sick, but we don't know which one, true? True. So, and, and God forbid one of you gets sick and you take the 10,000 and give to that one person. So you have nine people who have been left. They did not benefit from this kitty, but one benefited. Yeah, that's true. So that's how insurance works. Because the nine fund the one. Out of nine people, at least and, and, one will and, benefit. Yeah. Out of 10, sorry. Mm -hmm. Out of the 10, one will benefit. Yes. And now, if, if two of those people, if two got sick and you have a kitty of 10,000, it means uh, that kit, that fund is not sustainable because then more people got sick than you anticipated. So you okay. may have to split the five five or one, of, uh, one person may not benefit or you may decide to raise another amount. So that's how, it's exactly how insurance works. That the fortunate many compensates the unfortunate few. Now, uh, you normally hear about like COVID-19 is a pandemic and therefore insurance cannot cover. The reason is it has yeah. a capability of wiping everyone. <laughs> yeah. But the funds collected cannot take care of all the many people who will be affected. So that is why it is normally excluded. Okay. So then now I, I'd never really understood why insurance didn't cover, but the way you've explained it, I now understand. Yes. <laughs> and and um, that's why there's a friction between insurance companies and customers because customers expect that insurance should pay for everything. But what they forget is that they do not pay. I mean, this money comes from each and every customer. So if you pay for everything, then the price will go very high. Yeah. And none of you will afford it. Another true, thing true, that true. I want to ask, I, don't you think also that there's a lot of misconception about insurance? We're not very well taught or we don't really understand. Yes, that's the biggest uh, problem. The, mis the, the lack of knowledge, uh, you know, I call it the mis miseducation or yeah. the, 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 the insurance illiteracy. True. There's a lot of insurance illiteracy uh, and therefore, uh, you know, I, I get complaints every day. Why can't insurance pay for this? And, you know, you have to take time and explain why. Because even in your welfare group, you will not accept to take care of everything. And it's a form of insurance. Anyway. Mm. I mean, even for me, I, I always thought I knew what insurance was. But the way you've explained it, it makes so much more sense to why there are certain covers and why insurance might not cover other things. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to talk about your book, if you don't mind. Yeah. If you don't have any other questions. Um, you've, you've mentioned your book a lot in terms of the business strategies you've used, uh, your personal experience through this entrepreneurship journey. Um, yeah. First of all, maybe tell us about your book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the book is, uh, is actually uh, my story 
but given uh, you know it, it's not just my story it is about how I did it and the lessons I learned the mistakes I made and how people can learn from that for example I learned uh, that many people do not understand insurance and therefore they see insurance people as the enemy and because they because they don't understand they do not trust and you see people only buy from people they like and they trust so if they don't like insurance and they don't like insurance people and therefore they don't trust them and therefore they won't buy from them. that's true yeah so, so it's basically looking at the, my journey as selling insurance and what i learned and how can we uh you know use those lessons to to sell better as entrepreneurs remember uh customer is the lifeblood of any business yes that's uh, there's no customer there's no business and therefore every entrepreneur must keep their eyes and their yeah their focus should be the customer so you cannot start a business and that's why we have you know if it was so easy we have many technology people they create beautiful products but if nobody buys your beautiful product then you have no business so and and for me uh, what i'm trying to share in this book is the importance of learning selling is a, a cost skill. You know, the way uh, in the university you are learning common courses, common skills, yes, selling yes. should be part of core skills that each person, each child must learn. Because if you can't sell, you won't even get a promotion at work. Uh, when I say selling, I don't mean, uh, you know, just going to get the customer. Because when you do a good job, your boss may not notice. You need to have skills to be able to show them what you've been able to do that way you get a promotion yeah and wait for people to see you know your work they may never see so that's yeah. a selling skill that you need so basically what i'm discussing in the book is how important is the selling skill and what are these skills for example this misconception about selling people say that if you're talkative then you should be able to sell more and i disagree people who sell more are those who listen more because they're able to listen in between the line as the customer is speaking and they're able to pick the pains and the frustrations of a customer and they're able to provide a solution to solve those pains. And basically, entrepreneurship is about providing solutions. It's, you know, just looking at the people's pain points and solve their pain. Yes. So, and there's a lot uh, I've shared about how do you listen? Because listening is not just sitting. You know, you don't just sit and say you're listening. Listen, proper listening is whereby you're asking the right question so that you're able to unearth the, the pains of this person. And this can be brought out face-to-face uh, -face and it can also be brought out uh, through online. So, so it's, it's uh, you know, I love selling because it's, uh, I normally say uh, that is a, <laughs> when you're a salesperson, you're actually uh, likely to go to heaven. <laughs> because you acquire, oh, wow. all the, you, you acquire all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You get foundation. You, you have to yeah. genuinely be interested in people. You must love people genuinely. True. Yeah. You must exercise self-control. <laughs> you know, all those fruits of the Holy Spirit, then... Uh, you'll get to heaven and uh, the other thing i know is that there's no entrepreneur who cannot sell i mean if you're if you're if you can't sell then you can't be an entrepreneur 
you know, just forget it because who will buy your product? And, uh, you know, God was the first entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you read Genesis chapter one, yeah, uh, it says that the earth was, the was it the earth of the universe was without form and void. And then God looked and said, let there be light. And there was light. And then when there was light, he decided to separate day and night. So that's exactly what an entrepreneur does. You look at a situation, it's a problem. You see, it, is, it has no form, it is void. And you just say in your mind, you know, we can solve this problem in this particular way and say, let's do it. And it becomes, you know, I remember, and I've shared this in the book, when I, I uh, the thought of starting this month, actually came to me on on 31st of december 2016 and i on was the, writing on new year's eve yes on new year's eve yes and the reason is i was alone in the house uh, nobody was there uh, uh, my son had traveled my husband was working and i was writing this book by the it has taken long and i i had put a target that i need to write a thousand words every day before uh, and finish uh, writing the manuscript by 7th of January. So on this day, I didn't feel like writing. So I asked myself, because I have to, you know, I believe that when I give a, I make a commitment to myself, I must fulfill that commitment. So I said, what do I feel like writing? And I said, let me write about the future of insurance. Oh, wow. And I, I like fantasizing about future. And so I started writing. And anyway, whatever I wrote is also in the book. I've shared that in the book. And I started writing about the future of insurance. And when I finished, I asked, wait, this future looks very beautiful. So who will take people to this future? Okay. And you know, that's a still voice told me that you are you're you're the most equipped to take people to the next, you know, to the future because you have technology background and now you've been in the insurance industry. So who are you waiting for? And that's how I resigned from my job. Oh, so that's, that's what I really now want to read the book. Maybe you can tell us how to get a hold of that online, obviously. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's on Amazon, but uh, we are also trying to put it on, on my website, a soft copy on my website. But for now, uh, you can just access it through Amazon. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll share the link. All right. And someone gets a hard copy. Wow. Can it get shipped? Yes, it can. It can. Let, we haven't thought of shipping out, outside Kenya. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> let let yeah. me... Um, I'm saying you might have uh, fans from Rwanda and Burundi now, so... Yes. So we, yes. Uh, let's figure this out and see how it can be shipped. Uh, but definitely it can. It can, yeah. We just need to look at the modalities and then communicate. Uh, yeah, I'll share with you patients as soon as uh, we are able to find a way because I know there is some uh, other people in Nigeria who are also interested. So we just have to yeah. find a way of the hard copy. I sorry, do not know people like hard copies. <laughs> yeah, th there's something about hard copies, I think, that, that makes a book okay. still have um, value. Okay. Before we let you go, maybe you'll also like to give like uh, advice to young entrepreneurs who are listening or other people who, who might also just want to get into business. What advice would you give them? I would say, if you're a young entrepreneur, please learn how to sell. Above everything else, learn how to sell. 
And then um, number two, it's not uh, look at the, the customers' programs. What are they going through? You know, solve a problem. Don't just start business for the sake of business. Solve real problems that people are experiencing, and you will not you will not lack customers because you're solving a problem that people are going through. So don't just wake up and start a business because everybody is starting up. Look out for what pains people have and, you know, cure those pains. Don't, it's, we, we say you don't cure the pain, but relieve the pain. You know, be the painkiller. You know, so that, yeah, provide a painkiller so that then people can be relieved. And any, any other time they have the same pain, they can always get a painkiller from you. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to also ask, what advice would you give to people in the sense mm -hmm. of um, for, for financial management? Just a small advice for financial management, how people can manage their finances. Yeah, um, on financial management, uh, if you're employed, I say always uh, count yourself. You know, when you are employed, just work as though you'd be fired tomorrow. So what would you do if you know you're going to be fired tomorrow? I'm sure you will save and you will invest yeah. in places. So the mentality should be, if tomorrow I have no job, and I say, do you have at least six months of your expenses saved somewhere? Because that way, you actually become more effective at work because you're not fearing to be fired. Uh, in yeah. one of the things I think I've talked about this, if you fear to be fired, you'll be definitely fired. And why people fear to be fired is because they're not prepared. So always save a percentage. You know, it's supposed to be 20%. Uh, for those who read the Bible, uh, you know the story of Joseph and the dream that uh, the king had. And when the king went for interpretation of the dream, Joseph told him that, uh, you know, uh, after interpreting the dream, he told him that we have, you know, God has said that they keep 20%, if you read the Bible, it is 20% of all this, uh, the, the, you know, the yields they get in the seven years of plenty was kept aside for the seven years of, uh, of hunger, you know, of, of yeah. drought. So remember, if you're working, if you're in business, when you're making money, those are your seven years of plenty. Seven years of drought are coming. So please keep 20% of whatever mm. you earn for those seven years that are coming. We would like you to plug in where people can find you say your website social oh, yeah. um, um my personal website is www.unisminer.com yeah. uh, you can also find uh bismart on www.bismart.co.ke okay uh, my twitter handle is uh uh oh my god i forgot it no it is at unis minor no at unis w minor is my twitter okay and then facebook is unis Mburu. And uh, LinkedIn is Eunice Maina. Uh, all right. Hotel. Thank you so much. So much. And uh, I wish you, we wish you all the best in whatever you do. I'm sure there's more to come. Thank you yes. so much. All right. Thank you, Eunice. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe, share, and follow us on our socials. For Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, our handle is Let's Start Now Pod. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good day. Bye.